With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving... At your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yes, good evening, folks, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, to everybody listening on the podcast and those watching live on YouTube. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you this evening? G'day, Manners. Very good. Great to be here. How are you? Uh, doing really well. Uh, we've got a, a big show, a lot to get into, um, a really in-depth analysis of the draft picks. It, it, yeah, so this is the place to be for the <laughs> draft analysis. Um, I'm being facetious because Paul and I joked before the show that we we weren't really across the intricacies of the draft yet. Um, that doesn't mean we're cynical about it. I think it is a good thing, but oh, I agree. I haven't spent, you know, wouldn't say dozens of hours poring over it and um, working out who's going to go where. <laughs> uh, so, so this week, unfortunately, uh, Jaleesa Apps couldn't join us. I know there'll be one listener who'll be particularly pleased with that. But Jaleesa uh, pulled out at the last minute, unfortunately. Um, and the next two shows are going to be some special guests. So uh, next week I've organised to have on uh, Kat Jones and Dan Liebke from the uh, can't bowl, can't throw podcast. And uh, Paul, you know, this, you know, we're talking about the nine year anniversary of the show last week. You know, it was, you know, I got there and started Australian Cricket Podcast at the time and had the market all to myself for about six weeks until I see on iTunes uh, another cricket podcast popped up called Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. And at the time it was with uh, Dennis Does Cricket and um, there was a different lineup back then. But yeah, so finally we've got a crossover show nine years later. Kat and Dan are joining you and I next Thursday at about this time. Yeah, it should be fun. Looking forward to it. And we'll we'll hopefully do that one live on um, YouTube as well. So I think that's a lot of fun. Dan's a great writer. Kat is um, super funny on cricket. Um, we'll just tell him to wind the joke but jokes back a little. We're a bit more serious <laughs> on this show, aren't we? Uh, no, it'll be a good show. It'll be a good. It'll be a good blend. I think. And uh, then the week after, um, I'm heading into the Cricket New South Wales New Cricket Central and uh, interviewing some players there and taking a look around. They've built a state-of-the-art facility. So that it's going to be an interesting podcast um, to what's going on out in the centre of one of the greatest provincial cricket sides in the world. The greatest cricket provincial side in the world, along with Barbados, maybe. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> And last bit of news, um, you know, we're going to give pretty good T20 World Cup coverage here 
obviously, Paul and I will be watching all the games, but I did get uh, accreditation, so we'll be able to hopefully, um, you know, get behind the scenes a bit and get some interviews. Um, I'm going to know the Island T20 side back to front because I'm calling I'm, – well, this is actually quite exciting. I'm calling my first ever international team, so to speak. Ireland are playing three warm-up games at Coogee, and I'm going to be uh, – three T20 games ahead of the World Cup. So I'll be commentating on those, uh, which I think will be, it will be fantastic, but also I'll know the team uh, backwards. Yeah, that's really good. I mean um... – Ireland's they're, they're not a bad side they're um they've always got the capacity for an upset in them um and yeah I think there'd be a lot of fun three games that could you could could get some um some support from 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 some Irish backpackers and stuff as well so yeah it should be fun yeah and those that listen to the show and live in Sydney it might be something to come down to because it's a beautiful oval could you over right near the water there I think Ireland are playing Randwick Petersham then an SCG Invitational 11 and then New South Wales and that last game will be just before the official ICC T20 World Cup warm-up. So um, you'd think it'd be pretty much, a, you know, they'll be trying to c- compete in that one. I used to have my photo up as a cricketer in the Coogee Bay Hotel. I think I've told you that before. Um, yes. Because the tech- I used to play for the Coogee Bay Hotel Rebels. Great team. Uh, we weren't ever allowed on Coogee Oval, but the team often did sleep on Coogee Oval after a big Saturday night at the Coogee Bay. A lot of the players would sleep on the Coogee Bay Oval. Um, and then one year when we had our photo, um, one of the players didn't turn up. And so they just um, uh, whacked my head on top of a, a, another person's. And my head was on there twice in the team photo. And I was up in the Coogee Bay Hotel for a while. So it was a, a source of great pride. I've also heard stories from some of your teammates about you on the dance floor at the Coogee Bay Hotel, you know, running off cricket stats and talking about, you know, the field placements from that day. So I imagine it was quite a scene down there in your heyday. Well, the big the big kind of uh, status symbol was that if you if you if you had the guts to keep on wearing your whites at the Coogee Bay, that was you always got a lot of um, um, kudos for doing that. Yeah, yeah. You still see that around a bit. Um, (laughs) Anyway, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcast. I can see already um, we've got some comments there, Martin Lawrence. Uh, We'll get to them. We do have a great um, listener email, so um, we'll get to that and the comments. So if you do have questions and you're watching live, put them in the YouTube comments. But let's get into the headline. Um, So Australia's playing one-day cricket this weekend. They start a three-match series against Zimbabwe. Uh, they play on, uh, I think, Sunday, then Wednesday, then Saturday. After the game on Sunday is the BBL draft. It's the first one-day international series in Australia for two years, Paul. It's incredible. Um, and I, I noticed that actually we do have some games lined up later on in the summer against England, and one of them is at the MCG. And I think I've been banging on on this show before that the gap between one day is at that mighty venue is approaching the biggest of all time. So something to look forward to listeners. I will check whether this is the longest gap between one day games um, ever played at the MCG. Uh, so that's something for future shows, but for the moment, yeah, Australia versus Zimbabwe, the whole country is just, um, just so excited about it. It's just going to be such a blockbuster. Yes. This Sunday. Well, actually there is a bit of clear air this weekend. There is no, AFL footy, they take the week off before the finals. So there's a bit more oxygen um, than there usually is around this time. Only ever so much. Only ever so yeah. much. And I've been restating the obvious that I've got um, – no, I like Zimbabwe. I want them to do well, and it's great that Australia's playing them. It's great that we can use the, the northern part of the country where it's nice and warm at this time of year. All of those things are good. And, you know, being a cricket game on, inevitably I'll end up watching it and probably loving it. But – I do think, and I have no criticism of Cricket Australia. They have to make their uh, fulfil their obligations in the the bilateral series uh, agreements and everything else. But when these bilateral one days are no longer required, I think it is a good thing that these games won't occur because no other sport does that. No other sport suddenly says, "Oh, we're, we're announcing our arrival for the summer with um, effectively six meaningless games: three against um, Zimbabwe, three against New Zealand. No game against any side is meaningless. Certainly, Australia and New Zealand have a great rivalry, but." One-day cricket has devolved to the point where unless it's in a World Cup or um, Champions Trophy or maybe a series against England and India, it just doesn't seem to really matter. And so I think it's a, br- a bit of a, a brand destroyer to have all these oh, meaningless games. The poor, it's, it, the, the 50-over World Cup's a year away. I heard Alex Carey talking about how every game is vital now. They've got 20 to go now until the 2023 World Cup. 
Yeah, true. Um, I'm sure that it's, um, you know, uh, playing Zimbabwe in Townsville is going to be great preparation for playing India in um, Mahali or whatever. <laughs> no, but, I, you know, uh, it's, it is what it is. And um, it's just a pity that we couldn't have more. I've always said it would be lovely if we could have an equivalent of the Six Nations Rugby Union in one day cricket, like each summer, like an expanded version of the old Tri-Series. I don't think the Tri-Series would fly anymore because it just doesn't. it's just not good enough. But if we could have a, a regular mini kind of World Cup in Australia with one-day teams playing uh, where it had a bit of context and a trophy that mattered, I'd be all for it. But these bilateral series, yep, I'm happy to see the back of them. Oh, well, can't wait for it. Um, so Australia has played Zimbabwe in 30 one-day internationals. And in those 30, we've lost two, Paul. We mm-hmm. lost the last one. And that was and we in... lost the first one. Yes, there we go. Was that, so you, was that your joke? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to ask you. I was going to say, do you remember? Um, I am insulted on two fronts. One, of course, I don't remember it. I was only five. And two, <laughs> of course, I know it happened. Every every Australian cricket fan of a certain age knows that Australia lost to Zimbabwe in the 1983 World Cup, and we still haven't got over it 40 okay. years later. Well, some of our listeners out there might not have known that. Did you know? Uh, did you know it? Yes. Yes, of course I did. Are you sure? Um, I actually didn't know we lost the last one. That more that surprised me more than learning <laughs> the first one. Um, so look, the Australian squad is pretty much um, as you'd expect. Uh, it, it's pretty a uh, full strength side. The only player unavailable is um, Pat Cummins. Not much to talk about the squad. So Australia played three matches against Zimbabwe at Riverway Stadium in Townsville, then three matches in um, Cairns at Kazali Stadium. Um, I, I think for Zimbabwe, I was sort of looking at that team. I mean, the batting the batting form has been with Sikanda Raza, who scored three centuries in one-day cricket for Zimbabwe this year, and he scored a good century in India in their last match. But other than that, I'm not f- too familiar with a lot of their players. Yeah, I covered a game, a test match between uh, Zimbabwe and the West Indies a few years ago for for Crickviz, and I researched everything. Um, and I, I sat for for a few, for about a week. I was the authority on Zimbabwean cricket, but unfortunately my memory is like a sieve and it's all gone. Um, and I'm sure the personnel has changed a lot since then, but um, I'd be good to see them going around. I mean, there was a period there where they got pretty good. Um, so, um, you know, hopefully they can be competitive and uh, they they were competitive in that final game against India. Hopefully they can do the same uh, against Australia. I think, um, did I hear somewhere that they're talking of renaming the, sa- the stadium potentially in, in Townsville? Yes, that's right. Maybe after Andrew Simons. I haven't seen an official release on that, so That'd keep be good. your eye out for that one. Yeah, it would be really nice. I know there's going to be some kind of ceremony before the first match in his honour. But you're right about the Zimbabwe side. It is. I mean, when I, we were growing up, they were competitive. I remember the 1999-50 Over World Cup in England. I saw them play Australia at Lords, and they had a good side there, and they had a pretty good tournament. So... Yeah, yeah, if you're picking the best cricket side ever, like the best test side ever, uh, it, it wouldn't be the worst choice to put Andy Flower in there as the wicketkeeper. I'm not saying you would, but I mean, that's how good he was. Mm. Uh, but I'm still expecting Australia to win this series pretty comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. And they're playing a day game, so they'll, they'll first ball will be at 9.45 in Townsville with a white ball. If... Zimbabwe are batting first against Hazelwood and Stark. Um, you know, Sean Abbott. Um, it could be difficult, the ball swinging around. They shouldn't allow them to bat first. I mean, we've talked about doing away with the toss. This is a perfect example of doing away with the toss and saying Australia's batting first. For entertainment purposes, um, Australia's batting first. It used to drive me crazy back in the old days when the weaker side in the Tri-Nations and, you know, be like back when Sri Lanka weren't so good and Australia be playing Sri Lanka at the MCG and I'd be t- tuning in to watch, wanting to see Australia come out and get a, a mammoth score of, you know, 280. 280, <laughs> 280 maybe. And then Sri Lanka would win the toss and bowl. Australia would win the toss and bowl. And I think that's that's ridiculous. And then the, the crowd would be cheering, you know, Sri Lanka's five for 50. I think you're just cheering yourselves out of an afternoon's entertainment. Um, so they should definitely say Australia has to bat first in all three games. Hmm. Zimbabwe might be happy with that too. Uh, all right, next cricket headline. Ben Horn is reporting that Tim David will be named in Australia's T20 World Cup squad with the favourite to be left out, Mitch Swepson. 
Maybe they were listening to the last podcast where you went on a a, a big rant saying Tim David should be the first player picked. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like, like I feel like we're sitting here and someone's like, you know, the Chicago Bulls have announced they're going to pick Michael Jordan in the next team. Oh, wow. Isn't that um, – what a good idea. Jamaica's choosing a running team um, in, in 2008. They're going to pick Usain Bolt. That's well, well. Yeah. Messi you know, playing. Messi yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what, if this current crop of selectors uh, were in charge and Bradman was around, they'd say, well, we can't pick um, Bradman at number three because um, we've already got bloody Mitchell Marsh who bats at number three and he's, he's too good. Like, Tim David is the best T20 cricketer on earth. Like, he's the first player I pick at a world side to play Mars. And potentially he's still, you know, it's still a scoop that um, someone is writing an article to say that he might be going to be picked in the Australian side for the, for the World Cup. I mean, what's going on? It's good that he's going to be picked, though. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm, I'm looking. I asked you the question before um, this recording. You know, would you make any changes to the 15 that won the T20 World Cup late last year? So, say Horn's right, and we accept that David comes in for Swepson. Would you make yep. any other changes? Um. Well, I, I don't think I could pick Finch. You know, in all, in all good conscience, and. Um, You've been. I've, I've I've oscillated a little bit on that over over the time. You've been much more consistent, and I just think uh, the, the the hard thing is it's not as though Finch has lost all form. He's still a very very good player. If I was picking Australia's um, second eleven, I'd have him in the side. He's not far away. I just think if I'm being brutally honest, in my, if I'm picking the very best seven or eight or nine Australian T20 batters at the moment, I don't think that Finch is quite in there, and I. It, it, and I've done this to death, but it, it annoys me that there's so much stock placed on the captaincy and on the opening batting position that he is, it's his to lose. Unless he um, has an absolutely terrible run of form. And even then, I still think they're going to pick him um, in the World Cup. And, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good player. He may well come off and do quite well, but it just seems silly to me that that that's enough for him to get in there and that um, someone else could be left out. If, he, if we make the World Cup final, he, get, he gets out LBW to Boomer in the first over and we lose the game, then all of the um, the, the talk of him you know, being a good bloke and a good captain and an opening, and a specialist opener will, will go by the wayside. So I wouldn't include um, Finch. I wouldn't include um, Swepson, as you said. I, I, I'd bring in Tim David. Um, I'd be tempted to bring in Cameron Green. Um, uh, you know, the fact that he hasn't played um hasn't got much experience at that level doesn't really worry me six foot plenty he's a a bowler that would be hard to get away on australian wickets he can hit a long ball he's a classy player i think that he'd be worthy of a, of a spot in the side i'd be tempted to bring in travis head too and as as obscene as it is and i've always stuck by him i'm starting to weave and waver on steve smith in in an australian world cup that i've always said you want him for when the pitch looks a bit dicey and 50 off 40 can win you the game I still stand by that, so maybe I'd still keep him in the squad, but um, I'd be on the precipice of saying, no, let's go all out aggression and um, maybe get someone like Head in there instead. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I echo your sentiments. It's going to be a boring listen, but you're spot on. With the Finch stuff, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's the only spot that I'd really change if I could, apart from bring David in. In other news, Tim Payne, the former Australian captain, could be back for Tasmania. So he's training with the Tasmanian Sheffield Shield side, but he doesn't have a contract. And there's a chance he could play for Tasmania. Well, what are your thoughts? Good. I hope he does. I wish him well. Um, I, I hope that they pick him on his merits and, and don't that, – that notion of, oh, he's keeping a young player out, if, if that's the case. I, I think that, no, if he's in the best 11 – Pick him, and the the, the the Sheffield Shield competition. You want as many um, strong players as you can have. I think everyone feels it was, however you view it. And we went on at length at the time. It was a, a complex, multifaceted situation with what occurred with him. And you know, go back and listen to our shows around the time if you want our if you want my opinion on on exactly how it was handled. This juncture now, it's it's a, it's a, it was a sad end to his international career. I wish him well, and if he if he wants to play again, and that's an indication that he's in a good headspace, and and Tasmania pick him, you know, I'd I'd be cheering him on to do well. Yeah, it might be nice for him to go out um, on slightly different terms than his international career. Uh, on our competition podcast, cricket, etc. 
Gideon Hay and Pete Lawler had the chairman of the board on Lachlan Henderson and and Hay in particular they went at Henderson pretty hard about Cricket Australia's treatment of Tim Payne the fact that it felt like double jeopardy and, and the, the crux of this argument between Hay and Henderson was that Henderson was saying well actually we didn't fire Payne he resigned um and hey, so we left him out to dry, so it's kind of double jeopardy. But it was quite an interesting listen. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't criticise cricket Australia. I think they were put in a tough spot. I think that there, there was criticism that they could have handled it better. But it, you're right; it was a very difficult situation. And yeah, quite frankly, I kind of put a lot of thought into it at the time, and and came up with what I thought was a fairly nuanced view. And, you know, it's a year ago. I haven't gone through those thoughts again. So, yeah, as I said, yeah, um, <laughs> dial me up and listen to what I said a year ago. I'm sure I made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, in more local news, David Warner has been signed by the Th- Sydney Thunder. Um, so he's going to play, I think, the last five games and then the final. So I really hope the Thunder is still in the competition by the time he comes back because, you know, some years they've been like none from eight and stuff and, you know, David Warner might be able to do much from there. True. Um, uh, it's amazing that he's only played, was it three of games in the Big Bash? Um, it's quite a... Two for the Thunder and then one for the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's good on them uh, for signing him and it's a heartening development. Um you know, I think that would you agree that maybe we feel a little bit more optimistic about the big bash than we did a, a week or two ago? Definitely. Uh, I, they've made a few things. You know, Chris Lynn we'll talk about in the sex sex been signed for the strikers. We've got this draft. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how the summer goes. Um, my concern is that, that after the other competitions start, when all the international players go, What's the competition going to look like for that last three weeks? But then yeah. maybe it'll start so well, it'll carry that momentum and it won't matter, you know. Uh, Laurie Evans will be batting and you'll be like, great. True. Um, yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a fascinating summer just to see how it all uh, how it all fits together. And um, So David you know, Warner, few... when he – yeah, sorry. No, you go, you go. Well, David Warner, when he was talked about uh, signing for the Thunder, he said he wanted to give back to Aussie cricket because, you know, he believes that the reason they're in such a good position now is because of the generations before him. Look, he was well coached on this, but he, he said it well, and he wants to then, you know, leave the cricket, the game in a good place for the generations to come. So a lot of people want to criticise David, but he could have taken basically close to a million bucks, said no to the Thunder, and... Uh, you know, $2.1 million contract over three years is hard to say no to, and he did it for Australian cricket. Yeah, good on him. And um, well, I think it's probably quite genuine what he says as well. I mean, that there is a – you would feel that way, that um, I mean, if, if someone was going to offer you $10 million to go, then maybe it's different. But when they're kind of um, – they're sort of he's roughly in money. the same – Yeah, well – He's $100 million. Yeah, I mean, then that's a bit of different. That's because that's going to something that's um, – um, you know, reprehensible. But um, I, I think that um, uh, it's it's the right thing that he's done. I'm pleased that he's done it. Will future players feel the same way? I think Cricket Australia do need to find a way to get extra money to kind of um, safeguard um, future players. But it's also the um, um, the whole debate about is it time for Warner to be allowed to be captain of the Thunder when he returns back? And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, we talked before about omitting Finch from the World Cup squad. I'd be quite happy for Warner to be captain of that. I agree. I mean, he's he's our best ever T20 international captain, so he, he could do a great job. With this, the captaincy, the Sydney Thunder have not announced the captain yet. I think they're going to push Cricket Australia to give them a decision on whether they can announce um, David Warner as captain to keep an eye on that one. And, look, there was a big re- revelation in that press conference David Warner announced that Australia have a new tactic called Ron Ball. So, um, yes, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a counter to Baz Ball. Um, but, yeah, Australia are going to be playing Ron Ball. Uh, it's got a lot to do with the way Ron, uh, the Australian coach, Andrew McDonald, who's called Ronald McDonald, the way he runs his media. So just keep an eye out this summer for some Ron Ball. Yes, yeah, so it's become fashionable for people to say that they're sick of the term Baz Ball. 
I'm sick of hearing people saying they're sick of the term baseball. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, this is the problem with cricket. In some ways, this is the problem with cricket. You get this thing which is fun, it's cool. I get why Baz is uncomfortable with it because he's the coach. He wants the players to be the ones getting the accolades, but that's not for him to friggin' decide. He just does his job, <laughs> just coach the team, win the games. You do you, buddy. If we all want to embrace this and call it Baz ball, it's good for the game. Everybody's talking about it. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> True. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they should give McMullen like man of the match at the end of, or player of the series at the end of <laughs> Brendan, come up here. Well, you don't, you, you, they shouldn't rename runs to, to Baz balls or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bazzes. Oh, 100 Bazzes for Ben Stokes. Um, Ben Horn. So who says who says we, don't, we, don't, we aren't funny? That's just that's champagne comedy. That. <laughs> I think the Sydney Comedy Fringe Festival. Now it's up. Um, oh boy, Julie's happy she's not here now. Um, so Ben Horn was reporting that Moses Enriquez thinks that Steve Smith should be offered a similar contract to David Warner. And as much as I know that Steve Smith's not as good a player as David Warner at T20 level. Steve Smith still, when he is playing for the Sixers, every kid wants his autograph. Every kid goes, that's Steve Smith. They just see him scoring hundreds for Australia in the Ashes, and they love him. So even though he's not like a marquee T20 player, I think they should top him up for the good of the league. I do as well. Um, and I, he's, he's watchable. Like he's... Um... To be quite honest, he's more of a draw card for me to watch a game of Big Bash than Warner. As much as I love watching Warner play, if you said to me, who who do you find more entertaining to watch bad in T20 cricket? It's Steve Smith because you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, and um, I'm already starting to rethink dropping him from the from the World Cup side of what I said at the start of the show. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you got to complete about that face. Warner's <laughs> dropped. Smith is captain. Captain, yeah, an opener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that absolutely they should find a way because he's the, he's the, I still think he's a bigger name than David Warner as well. That um, there's a sense of watching, there's that sense of you're watching one of the potentially greatest players of all time. And as great as a finer player as David Warner is, he's not quite in that echelon, which is no criticism of him because very few are. But Smith, when he when it's all said and done, if he keeps on going as the way he is could be argued as the second best test batter of all time. So every time I get a chance to watch him, of course I want to watch him. Mm, great. And um, so the drafts, it's it's on Sunday night. This is what I know about the Big Bash draft. There's over 300 players nominated. There's different levels. So there's a... <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, just looking here. at a comment here from, from Mike Viney. Dennis backtracking 15 minutes in. Classic, yeah, true. <laughs> the problem is they're live now. I can't, I can't edit that first thing out. I should... Um... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so with the Big Bash draft, there's the different levels. There's the platinum and the gold and the silver, whatever. Um, and obviously the best players are in the platinum. They get the most money. For the, the, the I guess the intricacies are that if you say the Adelaide Strikers had Rashid Khan last season, so I think, say the Renegades have first pick. If they pick Rashid Khan, the Adelaide Strikers can go, no, we want him. We'll match that. And they so each team has nominated one of those players, I think. And apart from that, it's just a draft. Yeah, and it is it is what it is. It's like it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to have. It's not a... a what's wrong? I just know it's just a draft. Like that was our analysis. Like the show is called. We're so excited for the draft. You scared me. I thought, oh Jesus, bloody menace. He's he's such a train spotter. He's obviously memorized all three hundred and thirty players, and I've paid no attention to it. And then I messaged you. He said it's facetious. Oh, good. <laughs> um, no, but I think that it's a, a nice thing to have. It's not going to make a huge difference first year, but I think it's a good thing to bring in. As we said from earlier episodes, it probably attracts more players, makes it easier to get those players, and it will get a a modicum of attention and um, it might in, in, in future time become a bit of a, a modest, modest TV event. Hmm. And, and the intricacies are, I guess, you know, a lot of these plays aren't available for the whole tournament. So when the, the clubs are drafting, they'll have to sort of weigh up, you know, are we worth having this player for, you know, seven hmm. or eight games or could, we could get this play for 11 or 12 games or there's a few that will be available for the whole tournament. So th that's where it might get interesting. Um, but, yeah, Sunday night it's going to be on Foxtel and KO. So uh, we'll 
reflect on it next week with Kat and Dan Liebke, who I'm sure will have plenty of good jokes about it. The Big Bash really should be able to um, reinstate itself as a, as a premium competition. It wasn't that long ago that we were making jibes that it was better than the IPL. And yes, we had tongue-in-cheek, but it wasn't completely tongue-in-cheek. It had, it had risen to such an extent that it was at, at its peak, it, it wasn't far short uh, of the IPL. And I still think that, you know, with a, all the infrastructure in place and all of the, the history of Australian cricket and what a, a wonderful country it is to be in, that we should be able to say, let, put a bit of money into it. It should be able to ease itself clear of a couple of these other, other leagues. Um, I'm optimistic that it can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope I hope we have a good season because I do love the Big Bash. And people who've listened to this podcast will know consistently. I go to games every year, plenty of games. It, it, I do want it to thrive. All right. So some Test cricket starts tonight. Actually, as we record this, we're recording this as um. And look, uh, so South Africa have won the toss and will bat in the second test against England. Uh, this is going to play well tomorrow when you're listening to this. Uh, but anyway, the first test between England and South Africa was a cracker for South African fans. England uh, knocked over, well, lost in two days, effectively. They lost in three days, but there were two days of cricket. It was astonishing display of fast bowling from South Africa who have Rabada, Norkia, Janssen, um, I'm missing one. Uh, anyway, Ningidi. Uh, so yeah, terrific, terrific test. Yeah, and it's it, it is to South Africa's credit that they are still such a great side when they've had so many players leave for various reasons. They're financially uh, up against it, and yet you look at that bowling lineup as you just said. Those four quicks: Ngidi, Nokia, Rabada, and Janssen. You'd be hard pressed to name a better foursome than that in. Test cricket history, not many, um, you know, the, some of the great West Indian sides and a few others. But when you've got that level of quality, um, I wasn't surprised that they beat England at all. Uh, you know, England's got a very decent um, bowling lineup, but it's not as good as that. And, of course, then when South Africa got the um, – it was a good toss to wins, is set to insert England on a, on a under, under difficult conditions, it's no surprise that they won. Um, and it is, it's been covered elsewhere, but it's amusing that prior to the match, it was kind of like, well, England are unbeatable because they've got such great team spirit in baseball. And now after the match, oh, baseball is absolutely terrible. You know, McCollum's ruined everything. And, you know, the reality is um, they, they got inserted on a pitch uh, with favourable conditions against a hot, um, a fine pace attack. So I haven't seen um, much about the the pitch. This is the second test at, um, at Manchester, I think, isn't it? Um, so I don't, I'm not sure what the, the pitch is like, but I... I um, I have penciled in tonight to watch it for many, many an hour, much to the annoyance of the rest of my family, but um, that's what I'm going to be doing. Yes, interesting. Um, we've got a comment here that South Africa have dropped Janssen and brought in Simon Harmer. Now, Simon Harmer is an off-spinner who I looked at his record. He's taken, like I think, like a few hundred first-class wickets at about 25 playing um, county cricket. And I heard uh, Phil, Phil Walker from the Wisdom Cricket Podcast talking about him as, as – dominating county cricket, Simon Harmer as a spinner. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you can, you know you can do well when you've got a, a six-foot-eight fast bowler who swings it that you can drop. Um, that's um, that's Janssen. So that's, um, yeah, it must be the, there must be a little bit of um, uh, spin on offer uh, in prospect in that pitch. So oh, I'm, looking, I'm really looking oh, forward to it. Yeah, so, so Simon Harmer, he's played seven tests, taken 33 wickets at an average of 23.78. So I don't know why they haven't picked him in other matches. First-class wickets, I sold him a bit short. He's taken 802 first-class wickets, not a few hundred. Um, average of 26.03, strike rate of 55. He's um, <laughs> 30, almost 34 years old. Um, I just knocked 500 first-class wickets off his career. But that's always the feature of um, England um, cricketers. I remember when I was doing um, some of the Bradman podcasts and the, the cricketers of the 1920s that he was up against, and I'd look up their record, and it's like, this bloke took 4.7 million first-class wickets and averaged about 12, and he played from 1890 to 1940. It's like, God, they do play a lot of um, cricket, compared to us, with uh, just the six states and the, the quite abbreviated season. Yeah, and they play all week there as well. Um, so, so back to that South African attack, um, a few things. Firstly, uh, Rabada took his 250th test wicket, and I think it's 
close to the best ever strike rate of all time. He's, he's right up there at 40 balls per wicket in the top three. Um, you, you forget how good he is. I mean, and I forget how much I don't like him. Like, he wasn't very good in that 2018 uh, series in South Africa where he, like, elbowed, like, he shouldered Steve Smith and then he got, you know, he got out of court. So, yeah, I don't love Rabada, but off the field, but an incredible bowler and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the figure I'm just looking at now, uh, 250 wickets at an average of 22.1. As you say, a strike rate of 40.2. There's very, very few bowlers in history that can um, boast a record like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, they talked about how it's a disappointment that South Africa aren't going to be playing as many test matches in the coming years, um, which it is. But... um, yeah, this summer is going to be uh, really, really exciting seeing them in Australia playing three tests against us. It's going to be – they've won the last two series here, I believe. Three, um, three. Three, is it? God. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's going to be um, – I can't wait. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Australia will be tested against this attack. I'm a bit worried about South Africa's batting. Could come up a bit short, but I actually think that – South Africa's tack probably slightly shades Australia and it's probably even quicker. So, you know, it's not often a touring side brings an attack that is, you know, average speed is quicker than Australia's. True, yeah. They, they keep on um, replacing, you know, like they've got um, Verena. Uh, he's got a really good record. Keegan Peterson has started well in at, at test level. Markham's a good player. Dean Elgar's, you know, looks like a quite limited player, but he's... Um, um, you know, he just keeps on getting runs. Um, and so, I don't know, they, they're probably a better batting lineup than we, um, you know, than we sometimes give them credit for. And Mark, um, he's pretty handy. Yeah, I mentioned him. Um, yeah. Um, so, but um, uh, it's going to need to be a great summer as, in terms of uh, the way that they perform. It's funny that if you go Cricket Australia the choice right now of, would they like Australia to thrash South Africa in the test series or would they like South Africa to win? They'd probably pick they want South Africa to win because they need it to be um, uh, a competitive series that um, I put in the notes that uh, I sometimes think looking ahead of this summer and I, I think of my cousin Richard, who's a massive cricket fan, um, would think nothing of staying up all night, every night, watching Ashes test matches, going to work the next day and everything else. He's just not all that into T20 cricket. He doesn't hate it, but it's just not his cup of tea. He doesn't. I don't think he's got... Foxtel. So, what's he going to look forward to this summer? The all the white ball internationals, um, the one day internationals are behind a paywall. He's not the biggest T Twenty fan. Straight against the West Indies, not necessarily the obviously the draw cards of old. It comes down to those three tests. If they if they fizz out, then what's he going to be? He's going to look forward to the footy season uh, even earlier than normal. Yeah, I mean there is the T Twenty World Cup on free to air telly. Uh, I, I think everyone loves seeing Australia beat South Africa, even if it's a walkover. So I think people will revel in a drubbing if it happens. But really, you, the dream result is sorry. I have to. You can't. You can't say South Africa winning. I would say the dream result is Australia win two one. You know, just after tea on the fifth day of the SCG test. Yeah, but I didn't give you that choice. My choice was I said if, if cricket Australia you... were offered, if cricket Australia were offered, um, you know. I'm offering them something else. I'm offering them an alternative. Take one, Cricket Australia. If I say to you, I think that Steve Smith is a better batter than um, Glenn Maxwell, and you say, oh, that's ridiculous. Don Bradman was better than both of them. It's like, yeah, that wasn't an option, dude. Um, 15 minutes later, you'll change your mind. Um, All right. (laughs) All right, let's get into the 100. Again, it's going to be just as in-depth as we uh, covered the draft. But speaking of, like, journeyman cricketers, I've told Paul this, but I was looking, there is one cricketer from New South Wales that is playing in the 100 who has 673 first-class wickets at an average of 24.5. He was born in Newcastle. New South Wales produces all these cricketers. And, uh, you know, you know who it is because I told you. It's Michael Hogan, but the listeners would have no idea. Like, who's this Aussie with almost 700 first-class wickets playing in the 100? Michael Gary Hogan. He's 41 years old. Incredible record. Yeah. I became aware of him a couple of years ago from some English friends, and it's just like, yeah. It's amazing 
uh, county cricket, there's a lot that goes on there. And we said earlier on how South Africa have lost so many cricketers. And there's there's dozens of South African cricketers in the in the county cricket system. Um, it's a uh, yeah. There's some some remarkable statistical um, vagaries that show up. Mm. And he's taken most of those wickets for Glamorgan. Also played a lot for Western Australia um, in the um, Sheffield Shield. But yeah, I just. So in the 100, look, because this dates really quickly, but as we record this, London Spirit and Trent Rockets are atop of the men's competition on 10 points. In the women's comp, the Southern Brave and the Oval Invincibles are on top. Southern Brave with eight points, Oval Invincibles with six points. Um, it, there's only eight games per side, so it is really going to be uh, getting hot in the tournament. So watch it over the weekend. I haven't watched as much in the last week because I've been pretty busy, but it's still capturing an audience that the finishes are allowed you can tell the people are into it so i'm happy i'm happy for english cricket no oh, yeah i want the hundred to do well as i said last show it's just because it's on the middle of the night and i've got other things on that i'm not watching it but that's it that's the question i wanted to ask you that, that um do you feel like it's had uh um, that kind of at least somewhat of the impact that the big bash had in its first um its first few seasons that it is bringing cricket to a wider audience that's making some sort of mainstream splash? Yes, absolutely. And it, it looks that way on the TV. So I guess you, you do get a, you know, they're pretty good the way they cover cricket and they, you know, they can make it seem, you know, like if you've ever seen them. Anyway, from the coverage and all the reports and the crowd numbers are very good. They're into it. Uh, the the atmosphere has been great. The women's competition and the men's competition doing double headers every day is doing really well. Um, so all in all, I think it's been a success. Um, it is taking a bit of attention aw- away from the Royal London One Day Cup uh, in England at the moment. So um, good. That's that's <laughs> fifty other cricket. You know, I love it, but it's like you know, its okay. time has gone. <laughs> can you imagine playing like Australia? You know, the Marsh Fifty Over One Day Cup in Australia at the same time as the Big Bash? Yes, that's what I could. Effectively doing so, all these counties are just rolling out second 11s, um, but it's list day cricket. So it is yeah, quite incredible. It's borderline not list day. They should, yeah. I don't think there's anyone passionate enough to defend the list day statistics to sort of say that that shouldn't be list day. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Cheteswa Pujara scored 100 off 75 balls the other night. Like That's how, like, I've been watching the Royal London One Day Cup on YouTube Um in the last couple of weeks because that starts because they start early so it, you can watch it like at you know eight o'clock our time watch the first innings um yeah, really yeah that's life. impressive no, that's that. impressive that's impressive um i i watched recently the equivalent of the royal london one day cup the highlights of the 1985 final um which back it was gillette cup or whatever it was so at least you're watching current yeah. <laughs> um, well that was the cricket headlines let's get into the song segment where we will um make 10 songs up that relate to the big bash draft you go no i'm just joking no song segment on this podcast no song segment um, <laughs> let's get into the viewer mail um so we got a, got a nice message you like this one from philip rout who's um, whose brother is Andrew Rout, who claims to be very good friends with Glenn Maxwell. And I've only been asking for about eight years for him to get Glenn Maxwell on this podcast. Um, so, Andrew, I'm still waiting. But, yeah, Philip writes in, Hi, Manners, still listening and good to see your show continuing to get better. I hope all is well. I have recently moved to Bermuda from Dublin. Local cricket is nuts here. Went to a cup match Went to Cup Match 2022 last week. Was crazy. We'll hopefully catch up at the Sydney Test back in Australia for the first time in four years. And he sent me a couple of videos of the um, the cricket in Bermuda, and it looked fantastic. It you know, had that real West Indian vibe. So, Philip, thanks for sending in a message all the way from Bermuda. Superb, superb. All right. Uh, this is a question for you from Martin Lawrence. Who's a player who might get a contract that mo- most people don't know about? Um, Paul, I'm assuming that's the big bash draft. Jeez. Um, it's a tough one. Um, I haven't really looked at it in enough detail to, uh, to, to, to come up with a, um, a meaningful answer. I don't think. 
Pavel Florin, you know, the Romanian off spinner who's been lining up European cricket. Um, what about Darren Stevens, the 45 year old Kent player who's put himself in the draft? Can you imagine someone signed him and explaining, trying to sell that, <laughs> the, the big reveal? 45-year-old Darren Stevens. <laughs> A good question, uh, Martin. We'll get back to you on that one. All right. Um, Mike Viney, how much money is Warner giving up? Not sure. Uh, so I think he was offered you know, $2.1 over three years uh, Aussie. And I, I think the top contract in the Big Bash is about 350 but then Cricket Australia are going to top it up. I don't know if they've revealed how much they're topping it up yet. So he's giving up a little bit, but, yeah, maybe 100 a couple hundred. I've got a sort of an answer for um, uh, um, for Martin. Martin? It's not, yeah. Um, I, could, I, just, while I was just looking at sort of a, uh, an article that had what sort of potential – uh, Smokies might be in the draft, and they've got a mock draft. This is the news limited, and the, and the last player picked the, at the bottom of the bronze level in their mock draft is Jimmy Neesham for the Hobart Hurricanes. Now, mm-hmm. Jimmy Neesham is not an unknown, um, but I suppose he's not quite well known in the mainstream for sort of casual cricket fans. But um, unless he's only available for part of it, I'm surprised that he'd be picked down so low. I think he's a fantastic T20 player. I, I'd have him, I, I'd have him right up there. Maybe it's availability. He's got a great yeah. social media game as well. So he does. Looks for um, PR for the tournament. Okay, next question. This is from Aiden. Will we see Will Pekowski at all this summer? Uh, I think we'll we'll certainly see him for Victoria. That's the plan, and therefore there's a. Uh, certainly a chance that he could play for Australia. It's not really much of a spot open at the top of the order at the moment with the um, Kawaja and Warner. Um, but I think as long as he can stay um, fit and concussion-free, which is um, obviously what everyone says, I still think that there's a future for him uh, at international level. What, he's 26 now maybe? Um, yeah. Uh, David Warner is not going to be around for, for all that much longer, you wouldn't have thought. Um, and... Pekovsky has that class that he's got that average over 50. Um, I, I really, really hope that he can have an international career. And we talked it before that, you know, of all the players, Pat Cummins had year after year after year, he thought, oh, this super talented player is never going to have an international career. Um, and yet he has. And he's a fast bowler who, uh, you know, their lifespan is a, at international level is much shorter. So, oh, yeah, I'm still optimistic that whether it's this summer that we'll, we'll see Pekovsky back playing for Australia. Yeah, I did hear Chris Rogers, the Victorian coach, talking about him a little while ago, and I think the plan is just softly, softly with Will Pekovsky that they, they feel that just give him time. He needs to play some, uh, you know, red ball cricket and, you know, bank a few games in a row before they think about rushing him back into the Aussie side. Just uh, So, yeah, I think that's sensible. Uh, Andy Craig, lovely photo there, Andy. You can't quite see, but it looks great. Um, How will the BBL cope when players leave for the UAE or South Africa? Good question. I think your point before is quite um, opposite, that it's going to depend on how well the start of the competition is, that if if it gets going with all guns blazing and captures the, the attention of people, then it will have enough momentum that there won't be too much of a drop-off in interest. And um, it's better to have those players at the start and, and make it a big start and then uh, maybe there's a little bit of a drop-off. But if it's kind of middling right from the start uh, and then when they those leave and and you, you they're being replaced by kind of Sheffield Shield players, then it could start to have that look of, oh, God, this is um, a tournament that's really struggling. So it, I think it will have an impact, but how much of an impact will depend on how they go in the first half. Yeah, so I think as well it will be sort of balanced out a little by the fact that the some of the Australian test players mm. will be then mm. free to go back into the comp. So you will get players like Manus Labuschagne and Travis Head all of a sudden uh, playing in that period. And that's why I think it's crucial to try and get Steve Smith in there because the, the fast bowlers I don't think will be able to do it with all the cricket. I heard Josh Hazelwood saying today in a press conference that He'd love to play in the Big Bash, but he just doesn't think he can physically do it at the end of a long test summer, you know, heading into so much more cricket. Uh, but he, he said, you know, if, for example, you get a little niggle and you end up missing a couple of weeks of uh, the test summer, then all of a sudden you might be able to play the Big Bash because you're fresh. Um, so just just keep an eye on that one, I think. 
Yeah, um, it'd be interesting what Smith does as well. That, as I said before, as much as I wanted to play the Big Bash, I'd also wanted to be getting ready for that tour of India. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it is a little bit now about the precedent set with Warner. Like, you know, athletes are such ego-driven people that you know Smith would be thinking, "Well, I'm not going to play in that." I mean, I'm as you say, I'm like effectively the best into Bradman. If they're not going to give me a contract like Warner, why should I play? There's some truth in that, and then they should pay him. Um, you know, you you got to do it. And with the TV deal coming up in the not-too-distant future, you you know, they want to minimise the bleeding in the Big Bash this year. Mike Viney, does this... You go. Uh, sorry, Mike Viney's question, does this mean the BBL must reduce its length? Yeah, I was doing the maths, Paul, and I think they signed a six-year TV deal and they've had four already, so... We do have this season and the season after with the current broadcast deal where I think they will endeavour to play all the games because they've effectively been paid for. They'd have to give some money back. But then after the next two seasons, we might see a reduced BBL, but they're going to do that very begrudgingly, I think. Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't do it, but I can see that, that there might be an appetite for it. I, mm. I don't know that it's the silver bullet that so many people think it is. Um, and I think that the drop in interest in the Big Bash, although it did coincide with when they increased it, that it might be part of the reason, but I think that there are other more significant reasons than that. So I hope they stick with the 14-game comp. Well, good questions, everybody. Thank you for those that have left live questions in the chat, and thanks, for uh, Phil, for sending in that message. Before we get into Can't Let It Go, just a reminder, uh, Cricket Unfiltered's on Twitter, at OzCricketPod, A-U-S Cricket Pod. You can definitely tell I started that Twitter account a long time ago with a handle <laughs> like that. Um, we're also on Facebook as the Australian Cricket Podcast, and we're on Instagram is Oz Cricket Pod. We're on TikTok as Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, but look, all the links are in the link tree that's on our last social. So look, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your cricket loving friends about it. Leave a review. We'd love to have some reviews to read out. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for uh, supporting the show. All right. Should we finish it off with Can't Let It Go? That little bit of cricket no news. You, you just can't let go through to the keeper. Yo. What's yours? I listened to um, the Test Match Special BBC podcast the other day uh, where they have View from the Boundary, where they have a famous non-cricketer being interviewed. And they had Gary Lineker, who most of you would know is a former England champion footballer and now uh, the the face of Match of the Day, the big TV um, Premier League highlight show in England. It's a massive, massive name in England. Aggers um, interviewed him. But what I really liked was just a little um, anecdote that Aggers told at the end about Richie Benno. It was nothing major. It just was just a pleasant little anecdote that I liked, which um, Aggers was saying how he had also done some TV um, for the 1999 World Cup, uh, but he'd been sprung into it at the last minute because BBC just lost the rights for the coverage and they just rang him up and said, can you do it? He said, okay. And he said he'd never done TV before and, I didn't realise this till a couple of years ago, but when someone, uh, a rugby union player, played what he heard, oh, sorry, rugby union uh, broadcaster, played what he heard in his ear while he was doing the broadcast. And you hear the director talking the whole time and there's a countdown. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's like, it's, you know, 30, 29, uh, 27 seconds to this camera here. Blah, 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 blah. And you, you just feel like saying, can you shut up? I'm trying to um, speak to thousands of people. But Agus said he couldn't get the handle, the hang of finishing right on the the dot so you know they'd say you've got to finish 30 seconds from now bang not a second earlier not a second later and he said the first time he did it and he, his co-host was richie benno he just stuffed it up completely and he was a mess like he's thinking i can't do this and 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 richie benno sort of just looked at him and said how long do you think you need to say just the final oh, farewell so can I, didn't richie benno say before this that didn't go so well did it John? <laughs> that's true and, and Agus went, no, no, it didn't, Richie. No, it didn't. Um, and then Richie sort of said, um, well, how long do you need to, to say your final farewell? And Agus said, oh, about seven seconds. And Richie said, well, then, just um, in the lead up to the final farewell, throw me a question and I'll talk and I'll stop at eight seconds. And then you can go and say your final farewell and it'll be fine. And Agus was like, you could just hear the relief in his voice. And he said, from then on, it went perfectly every single time. And he said, not because I got the hang of it, but just Richie Benno did it for me. He just, you know, no matter when I throw it to him, he'd finish at eight seconds and I'd just say, bang, 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 farewell and away you'd go. And it was just a nice, pleasant story of um, Richie just, um, the, you know, the, the, the courtesy and professionalism of, of the great man. So I just enjoyed it. 
Yeah, it was a good story. I did listen to that podcast. It's funny because, you know, Paul and I know, know so each other so well. I saw that drop in my inbox of Agas <laughs> and um, Lineker, and I was like, I've got to send this to Paul, and I never did. And then you sent it to me. So I was like, I knew Paul would like this one. Um, Lineker, a and great story. Yeah, but this is the story that Lineker always manages to tell of, like, the day when he played um, – uh, was forced to play in a game at Lords, um, scored 110 not out, then had to rush to a preseason um, Premier League game where he scored a hat trick. And it's like he, he does it with, he's not boasting, he's just just so bloody good at sport um, that yeah. you kind of get the impression that ha- had it not been for him being, I don't know, I, I, he's just about the greatest English football player of all time in terms of certainly scored, scored a lot of goals, um, that um, he could have been a very, very handy cricketer as well. Yeah. Australia doesn't have that culture of those sort of social teams. There's mm. a few around, but there's not. There's a lot more in England, and I think that you know they've gone away a bit. But you know those social teams where you get players like a Linnick turning up on a Wednesday morning for a hit. Um, it is nice. All right, uh, Mike can't let it go. So God, this is pretty English heavy. Actually, I might have to change mine. Um, <laughs> well, um, Ben Stokes um, is featuring a documentary called Phoenix. Uh, rising from the ashes, I think, um, and it's directed by Sam Mendes. Uh, so that's coming out, I think, on Amazon Prime uh, this week. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Apparently, there's some clips of Australia sledging the English in that <laughs> run chasing headingly, and there was there was an article saying that one of the big sledges that the Australians were saying was um, to like when like say Jason Roy had come out to bat and he'd by himself, they'd say, "Oh, you're not sledging that much now, are you? When you're by yourself?" But I'm like. <laughs> Like, do the Australians, like, they all sledge together, but when does, like, one of them walks out to bat, does he all of a sudden start chirping? It was bizarre. Yeah, I read that article and, um, uh, you know, regular listeners will know that I'm a bit of a, a 1930s purist when it comes to sledging. At least the sledges were, they were pretty vanilla. Like, you know, they were not, um, they were not horrendous by any they means. Were not, they were not I hope your mum dies, put it that way. No, no, they were, uh, but they weren't even at that um, that level of that that real nastiness. That like you know, I remember once. Um, do I do I sin bin myself for that AFL reference? Do I sin bin myself? Um, well, Jalice is not here for you to sin bin for an NRL reference, but that's the second AFL reference that you've made, I think. Um, okay. So, yeah, um, but um, I remember when um, Murray Goodwin came out to bat for Zimbabwe, um, and um, so he was Zimbabwean who had played a bit in the Sheffield Shield. And Ian Chappell in commentary sort of said, oh, the Australians are just reminding him that he's a Sheffield Shield player. And I just thought at the time, oh, God, that's nasty. You know, he's a poor, he's playing for Zimbabwe. Um, he's obviously a very good player. Um, just, there's no need to say that. Let's this sort of stuff, there's a bit of humour to it. Like, was Joe Denley, you're looking at yourself on the big screen and, uh, you know, saying that he was vain and things like that. But I'd still say, just cut it out altogether. And hopefully under Cummins, that's what's happened. That um, there's just no, nothing to be gained from it at all. Plenty to be lost from it. And I know you love it, um, and as I know you think I'm from, as I said, the 1930s. No, no, no. I, I, I've, I've evolved now to the point where with the cameras and the mics and, every, like, everywhere, I think even more so than, like, five years ago, you just got to be – you just probably can't get away with that stuff now. And everyone on the boundary has got a camera and a mic. Um, but, yeah, watch the Stokes documentary if you can find it. I haven't seen it, obviously. I'm just excited about it. Um, It'll be really then, good, I reckon. I reckon it's going to and be really then, good. Yeah. And then my other can't let it go is last night I really wanted to stay up, but I couldn't do it. And then I couldn't, uh, wouldn't have been able to find it. But there's a new competition called the 60. And it's, I love the way it's like it's a, a six and then IXT. Oh, in the Caribbean. Yes. And yeah. it's a men's and women's tournament. It's just like a week tournament where the um, the CPL teams are using this kind of warm up. Obviously, it's 60 balls per team. It's like a T10, um, men's and women's. The women started last night, men's tonight. And, yeah, into that. I hope I can find it later. Oh, guilty secret. I love T10 cricket. It's like, um, <laughs> it's you know, having spent a lifetime of watching a game that goes for 33 hours is in test cricket. And then, you know, that we all, oh, the one-day cricket so quick. It's only seven hours. And even T20 cricket, like compared to every other sport, it's a bloody long time. The, you still have to put a fair bit of effort into watching a T20 game, but T10, just it's just like it's bang, it's over in 90 minutes, um, which is still that's a, that's a soccer game. Um, uh, maybe they should have a, a limitation on the number of batters that you should maybe once you it should be like five out, all out, or something. But um, yeah, if there's a T10 game on, I'm, I'm not averse to watching it at all. 
Yeah, if I can stay up, which is doubtful tonight, I'd like to get to a point where I'm watching the 100 ball comp on one TV, the 60 ball comp on another, and then the Royal London Cup in the background. So I've got, you know, three, I've got three sets of limited overs cricket, and it doesn't even include T20. Or the Uh, test match that's on as well. Yeah, well, I'll be watching that as well. So (laughs) I need both grants. And my last can't let it go is leave the Finnish Prime Minister alone. Um, what's her name, Marin, um, whatever her name is, just leave the Finnish Prime Minister alone. That's I agree. She deserves a fair break. There's nothing wrong with the PM having a bit of a party. Um, yep. All right. Uh, well, Paul, another great episode of Cricket Unfiltered done. Thanks to everybody that have listened. As I said, subscribe, sh- share it with all your cricket-loving friends. It's going to be a huge summer. We're going to be um, everywhere. Next Thursday, as I said, we've got Cat and Dan from uh, Can't Bowl, Can't Throw, so tune in for that one, hopefully live at the same time. Paul, have a great week. We've got a lot of cricket to watch um, between now and when we next convene. Yep, the first ball of the Test match is on right now, so that's the my next seven. My next seven hours sorted. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.